Well, well, well. It all comes down to Game 7. That is correct, folks. The Raptors have forced a Game 7. At the time of recording this, this game has not happened. By the time you're hearing this, either the game has not been played or you know the outcome. So please don't spoil it for us because we're from the past, but I can't really make him with any more jokes. So (laughs) welcome to the show. This is episode 41. I believe you have some players in mind because I can't really think of any. (laughs) I was going to say this is the Dirk Nowitzki episode. The legend himself, Dirk Nowitzki. Uh, Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. But But uh, I should have (laughs) known. Oh, yeah. Um, But yeah, welcome back. Uh to the behind the net podcast as always i'm one of your, one of your two co-hosts matthew and joined with me is my other co-host michael yeah like matthew said the other co-host that's right folks two co-hosts mm-hmm, one out of two <laughs> but uh <laughs> there you go yeah i mean as you said i mean i was gonna ask you like how's your week been going but i think we both know that this week's been just uh kind of consumed with raptors with the toronto raptors really um being the leading uh sports uh and sports series that we've been paying attention to um but other than that how's your i mean we'll get into that but how's your week been honestly man it's been uh pretty productive i mean work is work but that's always going to be a uh, constant uh articles are going well and uh i'm now one week away from going back to school so i'm really happy about that and uh yeah that's pretty much been my week so far and i mean the raptors are obviously the big story and i guess it's the same for you so how's your week been that's great. That's honestly so great. And uh, my week's been good. Uh, a little bit of news here. Uh, I've actually joined uh, Raptors HQ as a contributor. So uh, you can now catch my uh, work, uh, my written work about the Raptors uh, um, on Raptors HQ. And uh, yeah, maybe shoot me a shoot me a DM. Let me know how the how if you like them, and and let me know if you want me to write about any player or any topic in particular. It's been a long time coming for Matt, so please check out his work whenever he posts something. Thank you, thank you. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, my first article was about Norman Powell and how he need to uh, produce in uh, in uh, game heading into game six. And uh, luckily, we could say he did because as we are recording this on Thursday, game six was crazy yesterday. Um, honestly, it was probably one of the best Raptors performances uh, of all time, Raptors games, and definitely an iconic game that will go down in history. And uh, I mean, we're heading into game seven tomorrow. And uh, I mean, before you even get our reactions, I think we have a very special um, a very special guest on the podcast today, Iman from the Dishes and Dimes uh, podcast, which is a basketball and uh, specifically a Toronto Raptors uh, podcast and, uh, and an all-woman-led um, podcast. So definitely uh, check them out, guys, uh, if, you're, if you're listening. But um, yeah, we, we uh, had a great... Uh, discussion with her about the uh, about the Raptors, about the series, and about Game Six and headed into Game Seven. So, how about we just go into that because that really is our reactions uh, to the game. Wednesday night's Game 6 between the Toronto Raptors and the Boston Celtics was truly one for the ages. Today, we're so lucky to have a special guest from one of our favorite Raptors podcasts on the show. Iman joins us and is one of the co-hosts of the Dishes and Dimes podcast. Welcome, Iman. How are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you? I'm good. We're doing good. Mm -hmm. Feeling great after last night. (laughs) (laughs) Great, yeah. Yeah, Great's an understatement after last night. 
yeah, yesterday was a lot of fun, but it there's such a quick turnaround because there's only sort of one day in between. Mm. So like I'm already just nervous for game seven. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's definitely nerve wracking. I mean, uh um, but I mean we can get straight into that. I was gonna say like how crazy was that game yesterday and what was going through your head? I mean, every emotion ever. <laughs> I think I had like one tweet where I was like, I want to laugh, cry, and punch a wall all at the same time, which I think is how I felt for the entirety of that game. Um, now that I've had kind of a day to sort of sit and think on it, I'm starting to remember little pieces. Like, I completely forgot that the Raptors had like a nine point lead in the fourth, and then the Celtics hit back to back to back to back threes. <laughs> Mm-hmm. to like and it and it was the lead was cut to like one in a matter of like a couple of seconds minutes i guess like there are some moments in that game that i completely just blocked out from memory um but that was one of the most exciting um raptor games i've ever seen that was one of the most exciting playoff games i've ever seen and being emotionally invested added like completely different stakes to it Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. I like I always think that like uh you know we we watch different playoff games from other teams and you know they they can go super crazy. Um I mean like even I I mean in recent memory uh the Dallas Mavericks and the Los Angeles Clippers game that went to overtime and Luka Doncic hit that game winner. I mean fans went crazy and and people who weren't even Mavericks fans went crazy, but this was truly like one of those insanely intense games and being on the end of, you know, not just one of the fans uh, of the one of the teams, but also of the winning team. It was something. So it was something special. Yeah, I completely agree. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say. Um, now, last year's playoff run, I don't remember really one moment. Well, with the exception of Game Seven last year, that I was feeling really stressed. Would you say this is the first time you've been stressed over a Raptors game, Game Six? Um. Like, like in recent, I mean, as just a Raptors fan, all of Raptor playoff history has left me very stressed. <laughs> but no, I would say um, last year I was definitely stressed in game three of the Buck series. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. one was really stressful. Um, just because going down 0-3 to a team is, I mean, is just a killer. Uh, yeah, of course. Game seven, I actually, so game seven was Ramadan and I'm Muslim, so I was fasting. And um we you know you don't eat or drink from sun up to sundown and i like i think like sundown the sunset at probably like in the second quarter of of game 7 against the sixers and i still was just so nervous that i didn't eat or drink or do anything until like probably the next day like i just could not bring myself to have a sip of water even i was so nervous i was like i'm gonna throw up anything that i have so that was like one day where i like i literally just remembered of like not consuming anything not even a sip of water for the entire day just because of how nervous i was um so that level of nerves no but i I think that last year's playoffs um was more nerve-wracking just because every loss felt like oh Kawhi's out the door Oh, if they don't make the finals, Kawhi's out the door. Like it, it very much felt like there was like the weight of the world on the Raptors to win every mm-hmm. single game. Whereas this year kind of doesn't feel like that. Um, you know, the Nets series obviously was just that didn't even count. And then the Celtics series, yeah, I want them to win. And yeah, I'm incredibly nervous and I, I would like for them to advance, but it doesn't feel like the amount of pressure is on this team as there was last year, where it was really do or die, make or break. Mm-hmm. For sure. That, 
think that's a good way of putting it. Uh, but I mean, as for me personally, I like I was saying earlier, Game Seven last year was probably the most stressful I've ever had, and mm-hmm. it was surprising just how nerve wracking this series has been against the Celtics. Like, I think credit mm-hmm. to Boston, they've been playing them really well, and I think Toronto's met their match in some way. Boston's been the better team. Mm-hmm. Like I'll, I'll like, and I I've been very adamant that the Raptors have been better than Boston throughout this entire kind of era for both these teams, you know, whether it's the Isaiah Thomas, Kyrie Irving Celtics and like the DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry Raptors, I've been very adamant. And I think that the Raptors were better in all of those years. This is the first year where looking at it, this when the Celtics beat the Raptors, like I'm still surprised that it's three, three, it feels like the Celtics have thoroughly outplayed the Raptors in this series. Yet mm-hmm. the series is tied. Um, they've, they've been better. They've been the better team. A hundred percent. Like I was telling my mom, that uh i was having that conversation with her today um the the celtics again like the raptors and the celtics just match up so well against each other this uh mm-hmm. like this whole season but at least in the series um every game nearly every game that boston's won they've won somewhat convincingly and every game that um well nearly every game uh that the raptors have won you know they've kind of just stole the win away um mm-hmm. again uh Boston has honestly dominated for majority of the whole series. And uh, I mean, I guess that's when it, what happens when it comes down to the champions, you know, that they'll find a way to win and we'll see if they can do that um, tomorrow. I hope so. I hope so. Cause that's the thing with the Raptors. I think in these close moments, when it comes down to the wire, I know game two Siakam had, uh, you know, a turnover and there was some, some late game stuff that didn't go the Raptors way, but I think that they've kind of proven to be the the steadier team down the line and probably generally it tends to be a team with more vets that, that happens to do that. And what we saw was Norman Powell, who's somehow a Raptors vet. And then Kyle Lowry really kind of pulled that through in the final moments. And I kind of trust the Raptors in a closer game than I do the, the Celtics. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, the Raptors just have that in them. Even, you know, even I tend to not try to, you know, lose hope when even when they're down, even by like 10, I feel like 10 is even a margin that, you know, the Raptors usually find a way to um, rally back in um, very often. Uh, and, um, you know, there's been games where, you know, this series where it, it was easy to lose hope. But I think that's what the Raptors kind of, uh, you know, go off of is, uh, of course, that underdog men- mentality. And then just when they're down, they find a way. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I guess it's been pretty obvious, and I think most people would agree. MVP Raptors tonight. That's without saying, yeah, that he was the MVP. So I want to ask you, in terms of uh, Raptors' his- playoff history, where does Lowry's performance last night rank among the best games from a Raptor ever? Oof. It's up there. It's... Okay, so just thinking about all-time performances, I mean, Vince had, of course, the duels with with AI and putting up his, like, 50. We've got, who else? Um, Kawhi last year had some monster performances. It's going to be in the top three regardless, Um, I think that Kyle Lowry's game seven against Miami, which, you know, talking about one of the most stressful games as a Raptor fan for me is definitely one of them that comes to mind is 
probably still his best performance, I would say, in the playoffs. I'd still have that number one. This might be Kyle Lowry's second, and I would probably put it in the top, like, four. I can't even think of a – Kawhi Leonard just had so many insane performances Mm -hmm. last year. It's really hard to – uh, Kawhi Leonard game three against the Bucks was insane. I don't know. I would say that it's in the top five, definitely. And I would probably say it's in the top four. I think, okay. And I know this shouldn't be the way that it's done, but I think depending on what happens tomorrow, we'll say how we remember the series. If the Raptors end up winning game seven, then we talk about game six mm-hmm. as, um, we probably rank it higher than if they were to lose it. Because even if I'm thinking back to like the Vince Carter days, the Raptors ended up losing that series. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it, it doesn't hold as much as um, whatever Kawhi Leonard did in the playoffs last year because that resulted in a championship. So I think coming out of the series is really going to put that game into perspective. Um, and that's why his game seven against the Heat still ranks as number one for me. Um, so it, it's probably Kyle Lowry's second best playoff performance, I think himself. Mm -hmm. And it's probably in the top four, top five for all time Raptors. Nice. Nice. I I would, I'm, I'm right with you there. I honestly would put it in, you know, top four, probably. Um, I think as well in terms of most memorable uh, performances, obviously, you know, game seven last year is up there. Um, But I definitely think, um, I definitely think, like just like how you said, if the Raptors end up winning this series, this series alone will probably go down as one of, if not the most memorable series, um, especially if they win it. Yeah. And then on top of that, when you look at that series, this game six would be the de facto turning point game and therefore, you know, the most memorable. Mm -hmm. And that, that shot by OG goes down as... I mean, right now it's probably what third greatest Raptor shot in history. Alvin Williams hit a, a series winner, and Kawhi Leonard hit a series winner. Mm-hmm. So I think it's technically got to probably be in third place. Um, but if the Raptors end up winning the series, that could maybe jump to second. Oh yeah, I I'd agree, and I think it would just tell the world that this Raptors team can be resilient with despite uh, so many setbacks, and we already know the biggest one. Oh yeah. Um, so my next question is, I mean, it's kind of already a given, but, uh, would you consider Lowry to be the greatest Raptor of, t- of all time and why or why not? So for someone who yeah. might not think so, just give your, uh, give your, give your reasoning. Kyle Lowry is, the, unlike the, the most biased person to ask, Kyle Lowry is my favorite <laughs> player. I like it, his first game. I, preseason i was saying kyle lowry is legitimately my favorite raptor of all time like i was all in on kyle lowry right away his first three games here were spectacular he got hurt in his fourth game like i vividly remember kyle lowry's like first entire like month with the raptors and getting hurt against the thunder like all of those games are like etched into my memory just how much i love him uh he's far and away the greatest raptor he is responsible for the best stretch in franchise history he's been the best player for that entire time outside of of course one year with Kawhi Leonard he's always been this team's best player he was that again this year uh even though people were trying to take that away from him it feels like every year credit goes elsewhere but it's always been Lowry um he is he has defined this era of, of basketball for the Toronto Raptors. He has been their biggest competitor. He comes out in every single moment. 
a lot of the playoff failures that quote unquote get attributed to him, I think have been completely overblown outside of the 2015 wizard series. I, I just disagree mm. with the rest of, you know, that one. Yes. Kyle Lowry was, was poor. He, it was a poor showing, but he's, he's spectacular. Like I can go on about Kyle Lowry forever. Like I don't know how to convince somebody if you've not watched him play that, like, that to me is the only way that people can say that Kyle Lowry is not the best Raptor of all time is if they said that they've never watched the Toronto Raptors. He is this team. He's been this team. Uh, he defines this entire era. This team goes as he goes. Um, and I think that bodes well for the Raptors in Game 7, too. So if you're looking for some sort of positives, this team goes as Kyle Lowry goes. And what he does is show up in, elimina- in elimination games. He has the most 30-point 30 point games in an elimination game for the Toronto Raptors. That sounded very weird to say, but but he does. He shows up in big moments. He's this team's best player and has been for the last seven or eight years. For sure, for sure. And I could honestly see, obviously, I mean, his 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 numbers getting retired either way, but I think, like, honestly, statue. a statue. I was about to say that, yeah. A statue outside uh, the ACC, or, I mean, the Scotiabank Arena. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Kyle Lowry... It's I hate I hate to see it whenever I see it, but you see it so often. He gets so much slander, um, mm-hmm. especially online um, from fans, especially obviously of other teams, um, just league wide. And I don't think they actually see what he does. I think they're so set on you know the Lowry Dero, uh the Lowry DeRozan uh, era, you know playoff performances there where which um, honestly did not fall on Kyle mm-hmm. Lowry. A lot of them, mm-hmm. like, I think. And what I've always kind of said about this is. The Raptors shot poorly. Kyle shot poorly in a lot of those. Um, he did. He shot poorly. But Kyle shooting poorly does not define his entire game like he did with DeMar DeRozan. Mm-hmm. It's not just slander DeMar. DeMar is one of the most talented scorers in the entire NBA. But if DeMar DeRozan's shot isn't falling, he does not provide much else. Uh, he's not a good defender. He's not. I mean, he's improved as a playmaker and improved as a ball handler, but he's still not. Obviously, Kyle's the team's best ball handler and playmaker. That's not something that needs to be said. DeMar DeRozan's value diminishes severely if he's not hitting his shots. Mm -hmm. And so so when people see a team that's not hitting their shots, they kind of push that all on Kyle because he's not going to get you the gaudy numbers. But that's completely discounting all of the hustle plays. That's completely discounting all of the defense. That's completely discounting the fact that he runs this entire offense. Like, just watch the Toronto Raptors when he sits, the offense falls to complete shit. And that's not, once again, a slight on, on Fred Van Vliet. He's a great player. He is not the playmaker. He is not the ball handler that Kyle Lowry Well, he's a good ball handler. But he's not the playmaker that Kyle Lowry is. This team runs by him and even did in those eras. But because he's not the one getting the gaudy numbers um, and putting up the insane stats, it looks like he's doing a worse performance. And he's also, he's an undersized guard. He's not incredibly athletic. He's not incredibly quick. He's not going to get you the fancy finishes that, you know, Kyrie Irving, he's not a flashy player. And I think the internet really likes flashy guys. Mm -hmm. And so a hard nose, grind it out um, type of player like Kyle, I think requires just focus and attention to appreciate. And so if you're not actually paying him any mind and you're not, paying attention to him it's really hard to overlook all of the value that he brings on the court. Mm-hmm. exactly just, just to add on to that would you say Kyle Lowry is one of the most underrated players in NBA history 
Yeah, I definitely think that he is, just because of all of the slander that he gets. And so to me, the game six, like one of the sort of happiest moments that I was like retweeting a bunch and someone, I forget who, I, I don't, I can't at them because um, I don't remember who well, what they're at is right now off the top of my head, but posted just sort of a thread of all these NBA players like talking about him. And I think that there is like when you're an NBA player and you compete against him, there's a sense of appreciation. But from the general fan perspective, yeah. And I think... I, I think he's incredible. I think he's one of the most underrated players. And, and part of that is he's in Canada. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So already oh, yeah. they're not paying attention to his games. And then like all the other things that I talked about, him not really being a flashy guy, him not getting the gaudy numbers, all of those things kind of play against him. I definitely think he's one of the most underrated players. I don't think people value him. There's all these debates about if he's a Hall of Fame player or not. If I talked about the best player on a 50 plus win team over the last five years everyone would be like yeah that's and who won a championship everyone would be like yeah that person is obviously a hall of famer but that hasn't been the case for kyle lowry um it's a debate for whatever reason and i I don't know that's just to me it's just like it's a sign Mm -hmm. of people really not paying attention oh yeah i mean you couldn't have put it better better in any way um i was i'm right with you there i mean people you know, from the general fan perspective, they seem to be set on, you know, that Lowry, uh, DeRozan era of, uh, you know, those playoff performances. And they haven't been paying attention to how he's been, um, even from last season, even though they went all the way. And especially not mm-hmm. this season, nobody's been paying attention to them, especially because, like you said, only Canadian team doesn't get a lot of attention and is often, uh, you know, underappreciated in that aspect. But Lowry is the player that, you know, 10 out of 10 teams will want would love on their team any day of the week um but mm-hmm. you know a lot of people don't see that because a lot of things he does does not show up on the score sheet um he does a lot of the the things that aren't you know in the statistics mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. so yeah i mean i think that settles it i mean kyle lowry is the greatest raptor of all time simply put easily i don't think that there's a debate mm-hmm. for sure so when's the statue getting built I mean, right after Game Seven, I'm I'm ready. <laughs> they should just start building. Right? They should just, I'll, they should just I'll start do building. the design. I'm not an artist, but you know, I'll try. We're <laughs> gonna just rename Leafs Legend uh, uh, Kyle Lowry Legend. Legends Row Kyle Lowry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Lowry's Row Legend. It's got to be an alliteration of the Lowry's and the Legend. Oh, for There's sure. Be something there. Oh yeah. So uh, moving along, um, I guess. The, obviously, the series hasn't concluded yet, but what have you learned about the Raptors during the series against the Celtics? <laughs> Kyle Lowry's still the team's best player. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> um, I, you know, OG Ananobi missed all of last year's playoffs, but I thought the year before that, um, when the Raptors got swept by the Cavs, I thought he, along with Lowry, this is a lot of Lowry love, but Lowry was was good in that series. It wasn't the loss; those losses did not fall on him. I thought he was the only one, and OG was a rookie that season. Um, but he did not shy away from a moment, and so it was really sad to see him miss the entirety of last year's playoffs. But then to see him have these massive moments, I, of course, like the biggest shot of the playoffs thus far. Actually, Luca Luca had a shot, so this is the biggest shot for the Raptors in the playoffs thus far, um, and and also what he was able to do yesterday um playing the five down the stretch really um that was really really big um <laughs> i was gonna make a joke about them going small there oh that was terrible i'm glad i didn't do it um but uh it was i think og og is just really incredibly special and what we're seeing is continued growth from him i think a lot of people are focusing on pascal siakam struggles um but pascal's just not there right now and his shot isn't falling 
and that's going to happen. But what we're still seeing, and I kind of talked about this yesterday, um, Pascal was a plus 12 in the game yesterday. Um, and he played 54 minutes. And you can talk, like, say whatever you want about single game plus minus, but if he played 54 minutes, that means in the four minutes he didn't play, the Raptors lost that by nine right like if we're doing the math there 54 minutes they, they played for 58 because it's 48 minutes plus two overtime so that's 58 minutes you played 54 they were plus 12 they lost by three quick math tells me that they in those four minutes that he didn't play they got destroyed by nine points so like he brings value uh even when he isn't score uh, scoring and that's through his defense and i think what we're seeing here is a team that's incredibly um versatile defensively which we knew um, but just to watch it in this series against a team as um, as great offensively as the Boston Celtics, the Boston Celtics have struggled to score against the Raptors. Um, and, and that's really what's kept the Raptors in because the Raptors' shot isn't falling. So just to see this defense, um, I think, has just been really fun to watch. Uh, I think what else we've kind of learned, so besides, you know, OG's growth and um, Pascal Siakam's defense um, that I think just deserves a little bit of credit because people are, are shitting on his offense so so much. Sorry for swearing. Um, no worries. But who? it's kind of hard because I feel like we knew what this team was, and I don't know that there's like a wrinkle that's come out. Um, I still, I don't know how you guys feel, but I still don't really trust uh, a Fred Van Vliet-led offense. Mm-hmm. I think he's a great shooting mm-hmm. guard. I'm not necessarily sure that I trust him as a point guard, although who knows like i mean he can defend point guards and if you bring in a Giannis, then who cares if he's your starting point guard right um but yeah i don't know that there's anything that i've really learned it's just kind of watching this team um be who they are on the defensive end um they're still struggling on the offensive end but at least being who they are on the defensive end i don't know if there's something that you guys maybe have learned maybe there's something i'm missing here i haven't thought of um for me i mean again it's not anything huge uh um, and I mean, we weren't expecting anything huge with uh, that question, honestly, because we know um, how this team has been. Uh, but I think we've realized, you know, who are the players who can really step up when, uh, you know, in tight or more so who's taken that big step, who's been able to take that big step. Um, obviously, OG and Anobi, we've seen, I think, especially this uh, this series, especially a lot, like even just through uh, between Raptors fans, they've, you know, OG and Anobi is taking that big step that. Um, you know, a lot of people, uh, I mean, we missed out on, on him all of last, uh, playoffs, last year's playoffs. So, you know, you don't really know how, um, he is, you know, in clutch in playoff scenarios. And this, uh, series has been anything, um, but I mean, it's only been clutch, uh, and high pressure situations for the, for the most part. And he's been able Mm -hmm. to step up and, uh, you know, other players as well. Um, again, I don't want to fault Pascal Siakam. Uh, a lot of factors led to uh, his uh, lack of consistency there. But um, again, I think this also cements uh, Kyle Lowry's performance a little more, especially, um, you know, going back to what people have thought um, compared to his, their, the past playoff performances. I think this this season, again, this is the Kyle Lowry-led Raptors and he's, you know, exceeded expectations. So I think in that way, I've just seen a lot more, um, you know, a lot more clarity on uh, kind of where you can, uh, how you can assess these players, uh, especially in such a tight series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I guess um, we're at this point now, we're at a game seven. I think we were, you're kind of alluding to it earlier, but did you envision this series go, making it to a game seven? I've had Raptors in six <laughs> before this started. 
Um, I, I actually came into this thinking that the Raptors were the better team. I think the Celtics have sort of proved me wrong. And part of that is Pascal Siakam's not, not, has not looked like Pascal Siakam. Um, I came into the series thinking that there was no one on the Celtics that could really guard Pascal Siakam. Um, but it, and Jalen Brown has done a fantastic job on him. I think we've seen at points if, you know, Pascal kind of takes him down low in the post, he can kind of score over him. But just watching Siakam consistently drive to the basket, get to the hoop, and just, like, throw up absolutely nothing um, or get just stopped, consistently lose the ball, all sorts of things, is just not something that I had envisioned coming into here. So um, if you had told me it was a Game 7 scenario, I probably would have been like, damn, what do the Raptors do to push it to Game 7? Um, more than, uh, like, oh, thank God they made it to a Game 7, just because I expected more from Pascal coming into the series. Um but yeah, I, I guess like down 0-2, no, I, I didn't really expect a game seven. I wasn't sure what to expect. Oh, for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. um, me too. I mean, I had uh, originally said uh, Raptors in seven. I did see it going to seven. I think, um, I mean, funny story. My friend actually yesterday, we were talking in the group chat and he pulled up like my previous, previous message, I think after the Raptors lost game one. And I said like, doesn't matter. I already know that this series is going to seven. <laughs> um <laughs> But uh, I, just, I don't know, just all season, you know, out of all the teams um, that, you know, kind of had the Raptors number, it was definitely the Celtics. I mean, Christmas Day, uh, I remember the Raptors got slapped by the Celtics. Yeah, yeah, I was at that game as well. Uh, I, we got the, the cool T-shirts and everything. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember, I mean, that was ruined Christmas, just ruined Christmas <laughs> watching the Raptors get um, slapped. But I mean, they came back uh, a couple a couple days later um, when they versed them again, but I mean, you could see that out of all teams, you know, in the honestly league wide, the Celtics had the Raptors frustrated in a lot of ways. Um, and mm-hmm. if any if any team could, you know, um, battle head to head with the Raptors, I, I I knew it was the Celtics. And uh, yeah, I just I, I thought it would be going going to either six or seven. I said seven, but yeah, it just it just proves just how closely um, matched up these two teams are. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, I, I think you're right. Like, there was, the Celtics have been good all year. And, I mean, they're they're just a good team. They're really balanced on both ends of the floor. Um, and I, I honestly, like, I'm kind of going into Game 7. That's, like, the next question you guys have. But I'm, I'm nervous about that one. Oh, yeah. We're definitely nervous about that one. But I think, really, the nerves are coming from uh, one particular player. And uh, it's one player that we've already been mentioning numerous times. So, Matt, why don't you take this one? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, we've been mentioning him, Pascal Siakam, and first, I want to say, like, I know he's been receiving a, a lot of hate online as well. Um, honestly, from from the Raptors, from the Raptors community, even, and obviously from fans uh, league wide, um, because of his poor offensive performance, uh, not just in Game Six, but the whole series, but especially in Game Six. I mean, it had a lot of people frustrated. Do you think he deserves that right now? And I mean, obviously, I. Shout out to uh, Raptors uh, film room on Twitter. I, I seen his video today. Um, um, you know, he broke down the, uh, you know, Pascal Siakam's defensive game. And um, I think it opened a lot of people's eyes. Uh, I mean, I saw it during the game, but I mean, he definitely, he deserved his minutes because of his defensive game. And a mm-hmm. lot of his shots just weren't falling. But I mean, of course, basketball works both ways, um, especially when you're a number one option. You need to have those you know, those, those shots falling and, and, it, mm-hmm. and it really gets frustrating, frustrating if it's not. So again, back to my question, do you think he deserves, um, 
I mean, I, I don't like putting it that way, but you, you get what I'm kind of asking here. But yeah, he no, I, he I know what you're that, asking. Um, based on his offensive struggles. Yeah, I mean, like I like I mentioned, the Raptors when he sat yesterday. Like to for anyone calling for minutes or anything for him, the Raptors need him. He's still mm-hmm. one of the most important players on the court. Do I think he deserves? Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Deserve is like um, I don't oh, I don't yeah. know what the I, word to use in that place. Like yeah. I know what you mean though, and. He's the number one option on a team that was on pace to win 60 games, right? So he's going to get that. Pressure's on. This is kind of the spot and the role that he's in. He's going to be asked to perform and produce. Um, before the series started, there was debate about who was going to be the more important player, the better player um, between Siakam and Tatum. Everyone looked at this team as Siakam's team, and he has underperformed. Um, the, this is criticism that comes in that with that role. Um, so is it deserved in that sense? I, I guess like you're going to take a brunt of the team's, uh, you're going to take a brunt of the criticism if you're not performing up to speed because you're an all-star because you're an all NBA level talent. I, I the ballot for all NBA don't believe has come out yet, but I would expect to see Pascal Siakam on there. Um, and so when you are all NBA, when you are an all-star, when you're considered the team's best player, there is an expectation that's put on you. And if you're not producing, this is the conversation that's going to be had. Um, having said that, yeah, I think that people are overlooking the other things that he's doing on the court, um, certainly. But, I mean, he's had a bad playoff run, and he's had a bad bubble, to be honest. Um, and it's unfortunate. I, I think that people can, you know, lay off of him a little bit, sure. Like, I'm protective of Pascal Siakam because I do love him. But... Um, He's also an all-star and an all-NBA level talent, and the Raptors are going to require more from him. He's got to do more. The mm-hmm. Raptors are going to require more from him if they want to make it um, past the Celtics in, the, in Game 7. I, I just think that he needs to be better um, because the Raptors really don't have the offensive firepower to beat the Boston Celtics, as we've seen. If their shots isn't falling, they need someone to, to get to the basket, and Pascal Siakam needs to be that guy. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. I mean, and yeah, going back, I mean, Pascal Siakam, we love you. You never deserve any hate, but what I was yeah, trying to no say hate. is no hate. hate, no hate, but no hate. I'm saying when you underperform, there's going to be some, uh, there's going to be some criticism there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So let's get to the meat of this and figure out where the problem is. Why do you think, uh, what do you think is causing uh, Siakam to struggle with consistency in this playoffs? And how do you think he can uh, figure it out? Uh, if not to in this next game, but a win. Um, I, I wouldn't even say like it, it's hard to say just because it's not to me. It's not anything specifically that the Celtics are doing. And yes, Jalen Brown is an excellent defender, um, and the Celtics just have such great wing defenders. Um, but I he wasn't great in the net series either. And that's not a team that we look at as a great defensive team at all. Um, and he wasn't great be- before that in the seeding game. So it's something that he's sort of struggled with this entire time. And he did talk about um, after sort of the-, the season ended in March, he went four months without even touching a basketball. Um, and so I'm sure that there is kind of an adjustment period coming back and it hasn't sort of been an even loving uh, a level playing field for everybody. Obviously, some some guys have, I believe Kyle Lowry, for example, has uh, a gym in his house. So I'm sure he 
played basketball, if not every day. He played it regularly. He was getting the workouts, what have you. Pascal Siakam was stuck in a condo in Toronto. Um, And it's not like condo gyms are open. So he really did go a long stretch without playing basketball. Having said that, basketball's returned for two months. And so you would hope that uh, through the seeding games and through the first round of the playoffs, he would have found some footing, but that's just not what we've seen. Um, When is he going to turn it on? I don't know. Um, just because I can't pinpoint anything that's really taken him out of his game. He's just been off this entire time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, for sure. And um, uh, I mean, right with you there. I mean, we, we kind of know a lot of it was the, you know, the missed training time that he's had um, during the, during the pause. So, uh, I mean, it's it just, it's tough to see him. Uh, it's tough to see him struggle for sure. But again, um, he just needs to have those shots fall. And it's a matter of, yeah. uh, it's a matter of you know some of them some of them just are just tough luck honestly absolutely yeah mm-hmm. and it's just tough to see too because siakam has been looked to as one of the the face of this franchise or at least for the next uh, for the future of the franchise and to see him struggle is just it's frustrating to see in the sense that you can you know he can do so much more but with so much time with no time left like he's got to figure it out or else uh, the Raptors are going to be in big trouble. Oh yeah. I think and what who, who's to say like how they would do if should they advance Miami mm-hmm. is not going to be like a, a cakewalk. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to say, I think the one of the most frustrating parts about his, uh, about his uh, underwhelming performances is the slander that he's getting and going back to the slander, especially from Celtics fans, because we know that the ongoing argument was um, Tatum versus Siakam. And now it just sucks because it's looking like he's getting blown out of the water. And it's just tough to see that happen. Yeah, sure. But still, Kyle Lowry's been the best player in the series. That's oh, yeah. what I'd point to. Celtics fans want to talk about Tatum versus Siakam. <laughs> Let's talk about Kyle Lowry versus your mm-hmm. entire roster. Oh, for sure. <laughs> no match. Oh, yeah. No match. <laughs> um, so my next question, I mean, uh, it's kind of funny because I, I actually wrote, I wrote the, uh, my, uh, my, you know, my article going into game six uh, for Raptors HQ Um I, I actually spoke about, you know, how Norman Powell specifically, he has to step up if the Raptors want to win in uh in game six. And, and you know, he needs to start driving to the basket more and, uh, you know, things like that. But um, and he did. So I was I was very happy to see that. But how important is it to have players like Norman Powell step up? Oh, I mean, so important. Norman Powell has been this for the Raptors. He's like their break glass in case of emergency player um, who finds his cape flying anytime the Raptors are in deep trouble in the playoffs. This is the third, fourth time maybe we can talk about Norman Powell just sort of coming in in, in a playoff game and really saving the Raptors' butts, uh, for lack of a better word. <laughs> um and it's really important because what the Raptors have really lacked in this series is uh, uh, someone who can re- create for themselves. Um, and we know that Nick Nurse fully trusts Norm because the last play that he drew up in regulation was a Norman Powell ISO um, where he tried to pull up from three, which, I mean, there was not a prayer that, that was going in. Um, but the Raptors really require a guy like Norman Powell against the Celtics. And DeMar DeRozan was that guy in years past. Obviously, Kawhi Leonard is like the best example of that, where in half-court sets, it's a guy who can create offense for himself. Um, and the Raptors really don't have that right now just because – Fred and, and Kyle are a lot smaller. Um, and Pascal Siakam just doesn't have the face-up game. He's just he's not a wing, he is a big. 
Um, and so Norm being that guy could really make a difference in the series. He hasn't been that through the first six games outside of the overtime. Uh, overtime and double overtime, Norm came on, but the regulation, he was he was off. Um, if he can be that in game seven, that's a complete game changer, and I think that the Raptors win that easily. But uh, who knows if he, can, if he can keep that up. I think the one thing with Norm is like kind of a question mark sometimes. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I, I kind of wrote about it, and uh, in, my, in my article is mainly about how, you know, game five, I mean, he, he didn't play well at all until the fourth quarter, but he played well in the fourth quarter. And obviously, it was a meaningless fourth quarter, but um, it was a confidence boost. And I really hope that having such a good game six is an even bigger confidence boost for him to um, start shooting a lot um, a lot better. And uh, I mean, I think I've seen it numerous times this series. A lot of it is in his head you know, that lack of confidence, you know, he's been in that slump and we saw it um, against Brooklyn. He was shooting the, the lights out. Like he was so good. Um, and he, he's just been stuck in his head against Boston, but I really hope now when it's needed most, um, you know, he's kind of unlocked that. Honestly, kudos to you for watching the fourth quarter of game five. <laughs> it was tough. It was, a let's be real. It was, it was a pretty meaningless quarter, but, uh, I mean, that, that was, he was the one who, who kind of took over. I mean, for, for what it's worth, obviously everyone kind of played terribly in that game, but, uh, yeah. (laughs) So we've dissected everything about this rap, this Raptors team and just where the struggles are, where the good stuff are. And we already know the good stuff, but what's going to be the key to Toronto winning game seven tomorrow night? Making their shots. Um, like I hate to reduce basketball to something so simple, but sometimes it really just does come down to hitting your shots. Like we can't really see Marcus Smart has shot the ball really well in this series. What we can't get is another Marcus Smart shooting like six for 10 or six for 11 or five for five or whatever it is from deep and the Raptors three point shots not falling. Getting Mark Gasol to finally hit three point shots, I think was a game changer uh, for Van Vliet started to get going. He had that, of course, six-point possession that I thought changed the entire game. Kyle Lowry started to hit shots. Um, but that's really what it's going to come down to. The Celtics have a lot of firepower. Um, they're a team that's we saw the Raptors give up a lot of open corner threes, and they're a team that's going to take them. Marcus Martin, Jalen Brown are going to keep firing if the Raptors give them the looks, and the Raptors are going to continue to because they would rather – it be Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, then Campbell Walker and Jason Tatum. Um, but if they keep firing, Raptors need to hit their shots because the Raptors are going to take them. The Raptors have gotten good looks, but what we've seen is the Raptors not really being able to convert those. Um, if the Raptors want to win this game, yeah, I definitely think shot making is the biggest thing. For sure. I, I think it just comes from both just uh, not just the starters, but the bench as well. Like, I want to see more guys like Norman Powell, Matt Thomas especially, like, really step up offensively uh, in Game 7 because when when push comes to shove, they need everyone to step up in this game because the Celtics are going to give it 120%. They really want to win this game. I know they really do not want to be playing another game in a series. They'd rather be moving on. So if you got to match the intensity, I think, and you make a really good point, at the end of the day, if you don't put the ball in the basket, you're not going to win. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you um, about uh, a couple questions Part about. Yeah, oh, yeah, sorry. Sure. I want to ask you a, a couple <laughs> questions about uh, Nick Nurse. Um, first, first, I just want to ask: Do you think Nick Nurse should make any adjustments in terms of uh, where he allocates the minutes for Game Seven? 
because we, we <laughs> do know he's been hesitant to um, go deeper into the bench. Um, again, the, the deepest he's went um, has been Matt Thomas, um, other than excluding game five, because that was kind of a write-off game in a sense. But uh, yeah, well, you know, it, he really wants to play the starters, you know, all, with yeah, a lot of Yeah, he's definitely going to ride his starters. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mind that at all. Um, and the reason I say that is if, if Nick Nurse starts to try to look for something, if he's looking towards Chris Boucher, if he's looking towards Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, Terrence Davis, if he's looking to them for something, it's probably because one of the starters aren't delivering in that moment. Um, and I am terrified of that because of what that could mean for the game. I think if he starts looking deep in his bench, it's probably because one of the top six or seven guys uh, are struggling. Um in the playoffs, rotations get short. They get cut. They're shorter. I don't mind a seven, eight man rotation. Eight if you're including um, uh, Matt Thomas. And Matt Thomas is really needed for his three point shooting. So maybe, maybe it isn't the three point shooting that's necessary in that game. But then I, I feel like he would just ride with the six. Honestly, no. Just because <laughs> if he goes deep into his bench, I'm really worried about what that means for one of the top seven guys who who um, who get the minutes, which are the starters, and then Norman Surge. Mm-hmm. And do you mm-hmm. want to see Matt Thomas more? No, just because if we're relying on Matt Thomas, the other guy's shot isn't falling. I mm-hmm. love Matt Thomas. I would love to see more Matt Thomas, maybe in another series. But for Game Seven, I think you got to ride with your best players. And if you start to rely on bench players, it means your starters aren't producing the way that they need to be, um, and that probably means you're losing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Mm-hmm. I say that's fair. Um. um Oh, go ahead. Yeah, and then my next question is, what do you have to say about uh, everything that's been, the whole controversy that's been going around about Nick Nurse stepping on the court? Because I've seen some insane oh things about that. I've seen some insane things, some I, yeah, terrible I, things. I won't even mention it, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I tweeted about that. We're like in game two, Pascal Siakam turned the ball over in the final minute of the game. And all of us were like, Siakam, what the heck? You need to be better. Like all of us were just like, Siakam, you have to be better in a closing moment like that. And then... Jason Tatum throws the ball to the opposing coach and all Celtics fans are like, well, it's Nick Nurse's fault for being like, why are you guys coddling Jason Tatum? No, you have to be better. What do you mean you're throwing the ball at a guy who's wearing a different, it's not like he's wearing a Celtics jersey. Like if if he was a cameraman and this was like a regular game and you threw it there, what would people say? Also, like, it's not like the pass was a good pass. It was about to hit Nick Nurse in the head. And Nick Nurse was standing out of bounds anyway. Like, there's literally no excuse for Jason Tatum in that moment. Jason Tatum himself is saying that was a bad pass on him. You need to know where your players are on the court, and you need to understand that out of bounds is out of bounds. Nick Nurse is wearing the same color shirt as a ref. What if it was a ref? I don't understand any of the logic in people defending Jason Tatum. It was a bad pass, and people like to coddle Jason Tatum. (laughs) And so they're acting as if it was Nick Nurse's fault, when in reality, Jason Tatum, in an important moment, messed up and sometimes young guys do that um but yeah that was just that was just bad on on jason tatum mm-hmm. and uh quick shout out to jason tatum who actually uh in in his presser afterwards he uh he actually owned up to it and you know yeah. Jay, uh jalen brown of course uh we we did kind of see him uh attribute a little of it to um nick nurse being there or at least allude to that um but yeah props to honestly then good for nick nurse because he's following like you're <laughs> literally like okay if, if that's really what it gets to take you out then like good on nick nurse for for doing something in a competitive moment and i think someone on twitter once again i, I 
wish I could remember who it was, um, posted a screenshot of Brad Stevens actually on the court um, uh, when it was also, I think, in the same game. And I think it was Kyle Lowry who was being trapped. I um, mean, it was like, what if Lowry had thrown the ball to him? What would people be saying then? And I think all of us would be like, what the hell are you doing mm-hmm. throwing the ball out of bounds towards Brad Stevens? Like, mm-hmm. stupid pass. Uh, so Celtics fans just can't own up to shit. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no worries. I definitely, I definitely think, yeah. I, I, I mean, I'll, of course, I think, uh, yeah, for one thing, yeah, maybe Nick Nurse shouldn't have been there, but, um, but props yeah. to props to Jason Tatum for you know owning up to and not actually attributing that because I do think it was just you know he made a bad pass. I really do, and, and obviously it's people trying to find an excuse there. But uh, whatever it is, uh, props to him for owning up to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, who do you think the Raptors should be cons- the most concerned about? Um, with in terms of encore matchups um, against Boston in Game Seven, I think the Raptors have done a really great job on Jason Tatum and Kemba Walker. Uh, the box in one has really taken Kemba out; he's non-existent um, in Game Five or Game Six. Sorry, um, and I I trust in their defense to sort of continue to do that. I think Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker. Celtics best players um but the Raptors have done an excellent job on them defensively so obviously those two are the main focus but because those two are the main focus that really allows Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart to heave up as many three-pointers and Marcus Smart is the most heat check guy of heat check guys everything that I love about Kyle Lowry is Marcus Smart except Marcus Smart is just not as good um because he doesn't he's not a great three-point shooter that's part of it um if he starts to get hot I think that that spells disaster for the Raptors. We saw the Raptors lose two games, really, because of Marcus Smart's hot shooting. Game one, he completely took them out in the first quarter. And then game two, he completely took them out in the second quarter. Um, He's going to get a lot of open threes. Um, He's going to want to take them. And if he's on, I think that that's... um, it doesn't bode well for the Toronto Raptors, but I mean, he's also not their best player. So I don't know what that says, that I'm picking him as my sort of X factor. Mm-hmm. I've made sure. this joke with some of my uh, co-workers over the last few weeks uh, well, last few days and during this series every time the Raptors and Celtics play it's either going to be a very close one or the Celtics are blowing them out Yeah. so I guess the, the, the best way to end this off uh, is what are your predictions for game 7 the Raptors blow them out <laughs> um, I, I, I can't <laughs> I'm genuinely nervous about the game because of what you just said. And also, anytime it's been tied in this series, the Celtics have put a stomping on the Raptors, right? Oh, oh, the Celtics absolutely destroy the Raptors in game one. It's 2-2. The Celtics absolutely destroy the Raptors in game five. So anytime it's been tied in this series, the Celtics have uh, put a little bit of a beating on the Raptors. That doesn't bode well. Um, so, so I am nervous about the game. Uh, I also think that the team that sort of proves to be the better team in a series tends to win that in uh, through seven games. And I think the Celtics have proven that just because of what you said. The Celtics, when they beat the Raptors, they're beating the Raptors. When the Raptors are beating the Celtics, it's it's a close one. It's the one they're squeaking out at the, at the end there. Um, so I think that that's kind of worrisome. Uh, having said that, I only want positive vibes. So I'm going to say the Raptors win by 12. That was my prediction on the Dishes and Dimes podcast, and I'm just going to stick with it. Raptors in tw- mm. by 12. Let's hope. Uh, I mean, of course, um, everyone here in Toronto is hoping for that outcome. And, uh, yeah, let's hope uh, let's, let's hope you're correct there. Um, it's de- I think it's definitely going to be. 
<laughs> that's what I'll we're all hoping it. for for sure i, I think it's good for that one yeah i think it's definitely gonna be a, another close game um but hey if it's not a nail biter i mean we won't be talking about it you know years years and years later right so uh i think i'm expecting oh, i don't want a nail biter i don't <laughs> want a nail biter because i i've been talking about the miami heat kyle lowry game so that was one that mm -hmm. went to seven and that was not a nail biter kyle lowry came out in that game i don't know if you guys remember that that was 2016 yeah. oh yeah mm -hmm. the raptors had never gotten past the second round at this point um in franchise history and kyle lowry came out it was nail biters it was an ugly series the raptors could not get any offense going that series game seven comes kyle lowry is like i'm the best player on the court i understand that dwayne wade's here but he's in the twilight years i'm the best player and I'm going to prove it. And he went out and had like 35 points and just like an insane performance. And it was never close. The The Heat were really just not in it. Um, and I love that game. A game seven where I was not nervous. Perfect. Let's bring that. Let's bring that again. <laughs> yeah, I think Raptors have been through enough. Uh, Raptors fans have been through enough stress there. But uh, we'll see exactly. how we'll see how it comes out. Um, but yeah, those are all our questions. We want to once again thank you for coming on um no and we want you to uh i mean we had a great time it was it was such a great discussion yeah. we want we want you to drop your socials and uh where the listeners can find your work oh yeah uh check out dishes and dimes podcast um it is an all women's podcast we talk about the nba at large but really with the raptors focus because we're all raptor fans um and uh you can find me on twitter at emonsters emonstars like the monsters space jam um nice. and it's spelled i-m-m-a-n which is my name and then stars s-t-a-r-s amazing so definitely go go give her a follow on twitter and uh definitely check out Dishes and dimes uh it's one of our favorite uh raptors podcasts love you. um all you highly, guys on highly, there yeah highly recommend if you haven't mm -hmm. listened to it yet for sure. Thank you. Um, thank you. So uh, definitely check her out there. And uh, yeah, once lots again, of Lowry love on it. Lo <laughs> lots of Lowry love there. Lots of Lowry love here. Lots of Lowry love everywhere, honestly. Um, but uh, yeah, thank you once again. And uh, thanks for yeah, having me. No problem. We love the, yeah, no we love the chat. So thank you. Thank you. What an amazing discussion with Iman, honestly. Um, guys, oh all the listeners, definitely check out the Dishes and Dimes podcast. Go follow her on Twitter. Um, she's a great follow as well. And, and yeah, just support their work. It's it's uh, it's awesome stuff there. Honestly, guys, I was really blown away by the interview. I know it was like sometimes I don't really talk very much during interviews, but uh, it's usually because the guest does a really good job of like what they bring to the table. And uh, Iman was no exception. She brought a lot of great stuff. Analysis for the Raptors, and like like Matthew was saying, if you haven't checked out her podcast yet, you definitely have to. It's really worth a listen. Mm -hmm. And that was such a fun discussion. I think because we're so we're still so high off the uh, adrenaline from Game Six. Um, I mean, you you could probably tell after listening to our interview there, but that was that was a great Game Six. And I just got to ask you, uh, Michael, like, what do you think the keys to Game Seven um, really are for the Raptors? Well, I think it starts and ends with the performance of their starters. And I I know we were saying we don't want to harp on uh, Siakam, but I think now is the perfect time for Siakam to put his foothold on this series because 
What has been the one thing we've been saying all along? Siakam is going to be the future of this franchise. Mm-hmm. Kyle Lowry is still the best player right now. Uh, Iman said it perfectly on the pop during our interview. But at some point, Lowry is going to start to decline in play. And who's going to take over that reins? We like to believe that it's uh, Siakam. But he hasn't shown consistently that he is that next ready to be that next guy. If he wants to make himself ready to be taking the crown for the years to come, he can make a big statement tomorrow night. Because if he has a big game, then Raptors fans will be very comfortable because they know the future's in good hands. Oh, for sure. What do you think? For sure. I'm right with you there. But I also want to say, again, I think I didn't get to say this with Imam, but definitely we have to go, you know, kind of easy on Siakam because he's just excelled. We've been saying it for, you know, all season, you know, just how quickly he's been excelling. And it's almost, he's been excelling to the point that we can't fault him for not excelling consistently at that pace because he's been excelling at a crazy pace. Like, let's remember, he's only been playing basketball for, what, eight years? Two seasons ago, he wasn't even a starter. He was coming off the bench. One, you know, one season after that, he's a starter. And then one season after that, he's expected, he's kind of the assumed number one option. So to expect him to go from, you know, a bench player and in two seasons to be a guy who... um you know, is leading the team. I mean, it, you know, he's, he's excelled and he's, he's proven that he can do it, but you know, don't kick him down because he hasn't figured it out yet, but uh, I think he will. And again, yeah, I definitely think a key is just, you know, let's see him play a consistent game tomorrow. I think that's all we ask for. Mm-hmm. We don't need him. You don't necessarily need him to score 30 points. It would be nice to, uh, to see that, but I definitely think as long as he's consistent in the shooting and he drops, um, you know, good support, and he's watch watch the turnovers a little more, a little bit more because he has he has been turning the ball uh, over uh, a bit in game six, um, and and you know keep playing how he's been playing on the defensive end. I think we're in good hands um, for the Toronto Raptors, but yeah, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be su- super exciting, and we'll just have to see how it plays out tomorrow. Yeah. Well, I was just talking with Iman on the podcast. Like, this is like, I know I'm repeating myself here, but yeah, the joke is either the Raptors win a close one or the Celtics blow out the Raptors. So I want to ask you, what is your predictions for game seven, score-wise? Uh, you don't have to get the exact score, but it's just like how, like how the margin of victory. Praying that is not a buzzer beater because we, like, Raptors fans can't take that stress again. For some reason, I feel like it will be. I feel like it's going to be an intense game either way, but I'm going to say Raptors win by, like, five to six points nothing huge um i i don't think it'll be a buzzer beater um but again almost all the wins that the raptors have had this series has been you know by a single possession so mm-hmm. um but yeah what about you i predict that game seven is siakam's breakout performance in the playoffs offensively speaking mind you um he's gonna go off for around 27 points and the Raptors are going to win by, like you said, five or six. We'll see what happens. Uh, of course, when you're listening to this, uh, we will be posting it in the morning of uh, Friday morning before the game. Uh, the game happens uh, later in the evening. So uh, again, we're we're in the past. So um, let us know what happened, to, or uh, let us know your reaction to what happened. Um, but we'll move let on. Let us from... know how close or far we were from uh, mm-hmm. the actual score. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll move on quickly from the Raptors over the Leafs. We might move back into basketball uh, briefly right before um, we close out this this uh, episode. But let's go on to the Leafs. 
uh, not uh, not a lot of things have happened uh, in Leafland this week, but uh, one specific rumor has kind of uh, emerged. And Michael, why don't you tell us about that? Yes, uh, this is pretty exciting stuff for those of you who, say the least, need a physical player, uh, f- at least a physical forward. Uh, a recent interview with uh, Pierre Lebrun of The Athletic with uh, Wayne Simmons revealed that Wayne Simmons is uh, open to the idea of signing with the Leafs. Now, that doesn't mean like, oh, he's had talks with the Leafs and they're going to get a contract done. But if if the opportunity presented himself, he would definitely consider it. And I think we have to remember, this is not the Wayne Simmons of old. Like the Wayne Simmons were a few years ago, who's like a physical freak, can easily get you somewhere around 25, 30 goals. But this is a player that this would be a, a great fit on this team. And I think it can make an impact and just provide that to play style the Leafs desperately need. So... Let me ask you this. If Wayne Simmons is on the open market and his asking price is reasonable, do you think the Leafs should sign him? Now, how reasonable are we talking? Because if he's going to take, you know, a minimum contract similar to uh, Jason Spezza, then I definitely would like to see him become a Toronto Maple Leaf because I think he could add a lot to that fourth line. Um, and I mean, that's that's really all he'll slot in for. But I think he brings a lot of experience and um, he definitely brings a lot of uh, hustle heart and uh definitely on that uh physical and that the the, the leaves have been uh lacking especially if they let kyle clifford walk mm-hmm. i'd say that uh it'd be really nice to get him on a league minimum salary but i don't think that's going to happen i think mm-hmm. he's going to come in a little bit more but one thing that uh the covid uh, pandemic is going to make things uh for free agent interesting is uh players are asking prices are going to have to drop a little bit simply because there's a flat cap and we don't know how long this flat cap is going to be in place. So if there's a scenario where Wayne Simmons could potentially accept a league minimum deal, this would probably be the year. But at the end of the day, I just don't know what his asking prices are. I don't know what his priorities are. I don't know if he values being close to family, if he wants to just go to a contender, whatever whatever the case would be. I would love for him to be a Leaf. I, I think we both agree that he'd, love, he'd be great on the Leafs. For sure. So we'll just have to see what uh, how that pans out, but mm-hmm. could fix a lot of problems for the Leafs, uh, especially oh, yeah. especially if Kyle Clifford walks again. The Leafs uh, do they'll probably be looking for a replacement in some sense there. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Didn't you see uh, in the Leafs Nation's article from Murr about uh, how Kyle Clifford deleted the Leafs from his social oh, yeah. media profile? Oh yeah. Um, we'll have to see. I mean, I I tend to think uh, it's more on the side that you know, obviously. The Leafs season is over, so technically his obligations as a Toronto Maple Leafs ended. His contract is up, so technically he's a free agent. Um, so, but you know, you don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm not reading into enough, but we'll we'll just have to see. Mm-hmm, absolutely, I think uh, Kyle Clifford, if he leaves, it's whatever. If they signed him, that means you're giving up a second. Do you want to give up a second? Me personally, not really. Mm-hmm. So Makes it is sense. what it is. Oh yeah. Now, let me ask you something quickly before we move on to other ones. Uh, today I wrote a piece, you you do know this, about yeah. uh, Mark Berwicki. For those of you who don't know, uh, just uh, today, he announced his intentions of testing the open market. And this is a, a, a physical defensive like defenseman. Uh, I can't remember his high off the top of my head, but like he plays a physical style of hockey. He's a very well-liked guy off the ice, but his underlying numbers are not the greatest. Uh, I wouldn't imagine he's one of the first guys that signed, but he's a team will pick him up. I wrote in the article that I don't think the Leafs should sign him just because his on-ice production is just not where it should be. 
do you think Lee should sign him? Or and if if they do sign him, what what would you like his contract to be? You know, I'm with you there. I don't think the Leafs should sign him, and I don't think. I mean, here's the thing. I think you know he's a good consideration, but he's not your first option when when you're looking to um, you know sign free agents to help your uh, defensive core, especially given the fact that the Leafs are going to have a number of holes to fill. So maybe he could end up as but one of the uh, you know kind of to fill out that blue line. Um, but I don't think he's. Uh, you know, the type of defenseman that the Leafs are especially exactly looking for. Of course, he's very good uh, physically uh, and on the defensive end, which is what the Leafs are looking for. But, yeah, I don't think you look for him first. You look for um, a player like, you know, DeMello. Um, Gudis. Gudis. We, we talked about him last week. Uh, those are the type of players I think you you target right, like, at first when uh, on the open market. And then... Either, either if you don't get those guys or if you just have to keep shelling out, you know, you have to, you know, you have to uh, fill those holes some way. Um, I would take a shot at him, you know, on a, on a cheaper contract. Again, don't, don't overspend, um, don't overspend on him at all. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to command very much money either. No more than 2 million bucks tops. Mm-hmm. And this is a guy that's going to like, if he makes an NHL roster, it's more than likely on the third pairing. And, Really, that's fine. For most NHL teams, that's good enough. Perhaps even the seventh defenseman. But there's still a place in the league for Berwicki, and I think, uh, obviously, he'd be a great coach or whatever have you uh, once the career's done. But on ice-wise, I'm just he's not a guy for me. That's yeah. just not, not we'll leave it yeah. at that. Makes sense. And I think he would be, if anything, I think he would be, I think the decision would come down to if they, the Leafs need to just fill that one extra hole. Um, maybe he's a you know an option there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, now let's uh, move on to the other blue team in Toronto and their team that uh, since our last podcast has been doing very well, mm-hmm. much better than we've expected. And mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we were very excited about the team and the, their potential, but we've seen some massive progression. So I'm looking at the standings right now. The Blue Jays have a record of 24 and 19. They are second in their division, a few games, but three and a half games back of the top leading uh, race and they are comfortably in a wildcard spot so did you see this coming no i didn't go back a few episodes when uh the season was just starting and we made our predictions um again it's really nice to see and let's let's keep in mind um a big part of it is because the blue jays have been able to hit the ground running um in the shortened season and so really props to them and let's just hope they can close out the the remaining few games uh and, and, and kind of clinch that wild card spot. I think, you know, I'm still sticking on my prediction that, you know, I don't think they can go all the way, but this is a huge step for a rebuilding team, a really young developing team. I think this is a huge confidence boost for them. And um, it's just a, a big sign of things to come. But yeah, going back to, I didn't think this could happen, but um, it's so great to see. They've been, they've just been dominating. Uh, I mean, they've just been playing really well. Like, um, and you know, like even in this Yankees series, I've been watching They've been playing very well. And one thing I think uh, Blue Jays, like some Blue Jays fans uh, don't really pay attention. Uh, see, like people from afar that are not really noticing, the Blue Jays are shorthanded right now. Mm-hmm. Bichette has been out for a bit, and they've been missing uh, Teoscar Hernandez, who's been one of the hottest hitters uh, in baseball, like in terms of home runs. Like this Blue Jays team, not only are they in a playoff spot, 
they are comfortably in a playoff spot because we forgot that uh, they expanded the playoff seeds to eight this year. And so they are comfortably... Normally, they wouldn't be in the playoffs. Uh, Actually, no, they would be in the playoffs normally, but as the second wildcard team. But even still, this is huge for their development, like you said. If... Like I said earlier, like I mean, the last podcast, this Blue Jays team's on the right track. I still think 2021 is when their contention window begins. But listen, if their contention window starts now, I'm totally fine with them getting a head start. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, like I said, I, I, I mean, right with you. Uh, if this is where their contention window opens, then that's great. I, I like to think that it's an off year, um, in a good way. Um, but it's definitely a sign of sure things to come. I think this is a big thing that, you know, especially in baseball, it's definitely hard for, um, a rebuilding team to get over that hump of making the playoffs. And I think they're finally making it. So that's huge. And, uh, yeah, we'll just have to see how it plays out. Um, I, I do want to say, I mean, I want to forg- uh, forgive for us for, uh, for, um, you know, kind of, we kind of, uh, miss out on talking about the blue Jays a lot because, Honestly, this season there's just so much sports going on. Just so much sports uh Toronto sports going on that uh I mean, the Blue Jays uh you know sometimes get neglected in terms of how much we talk about, but the Blue Jays are honestly playing amazingly right now and we'll definitely uh be talking about them a lot more. Oh yeah, as the season progresses, we'll be uh talking about them a lot more like you said and hopefully we'll have some mm-hmm. more uh Blue Jays uh, related guests on the mm-hmm, show, especially in the playoffs too. Let us know if you want Ian Hunter back on again. <laughs> Ian Hunter is the man. He's shout out Ian Hunter. Uh, been on here twice already, and uh, every single conversation has been amazing. He's the nicest guy ever, and, and honestly, just love having him on. Hey, do you want to hear a fun stat? What is it? Today is the first day ever that the MLB, NBA, WNBA, MLS, NHL, and the NFL are playing on the same day. I saw that. That's amazing. That's in history because I don't think there's ever been any, you know, need up until now for those seasons to interconnect. Oh, absolutely. I think it's crazy. Like, I mean, it's a byproduct of the COVID-19 pandemic, but it's still stats like that are always fun to see. And now, I guess that... I wonder what? Oh, I was just going to say, does that count like preseason games as well? Because I'm just wondering, you know, sometimes, well, maybe not NBA. I know um, NHL preseason sometimes leaks into September early. I mean, like, mid to late september yeah um but now that i think of it basketball preseason doesn't so probably still never happened yeah so i think it was probably the the first time in a long time that this ever happened i think I ever I yeah yeah i don't think it'll ever happen again for a very long time mm-hmm. but i want to focus on the last one because at the time we're recording this the chiefs and the texans are playing the first game of the 2020 nfl season uh, honestly, you know, it's funny. I completely forgot that the NFL season was coming around the corner. Cause I've been so focused on the Raptors. Like you said, there's just earlier. so many sports going on. That's the thing. Yeah. It's just so much. Usually we have it nicely. Every single sport is nicely put into their, you know, their little box in the schedule, the yearly calendar, you know, you kind of separate them. Hockey and basketball usually go together and the summer's all about baseball and it crosses into, um, football and then hockey and basketball comes back. And it's always like that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And it's it's I mean, it's still I mean it's always crazy to me just like how many sports there are and I've kinda of, we're kinda of taking for granted just how exciting of a time it's been to be a sports fan, which is so much variety of content to choose from. I 
don't know if we're ever going to get a moment like this again. So if you're a sports fan, take in every single moment while you can. Oh, for sure. For sure. And uh, for me personally, I'm going to definitely, I mean, we talked about it before in this podcast. I mean, I, I'm definitely into the uh, NFL, but I'm definitely going to use this season to get fully into it. Yes. A lot more. You we talked about this before, uh, during our little break. Uh, why don't you tell the listeners which team you're cheering for this year? I mean, we've talked about it previously on the pod, right? Um, yeah. But yeah. Right. Um, my my team is uh, the Cleveland Browns, and let's see um, if I can ride them. Uh, if I can give them some uh, good luck and ride them to hopefully playoff, hopefully to the playoffs. Um, quick story. I mean, I don't know if uh, you guys haven't maybe heard of it um, on a previous episode, but yeah, when I was picking my team uh, years ago, being a Leafs fan, growing up a Leafs fan, you know, the Leafs, uh, at least in my time, uh, especially when I was a teenager, um, they weren't that good, but I knew redemption would be coming, so I decided to pick a similar redemption team, um, and the Cleveland Browns, of course, uh, happened to be, you know, on the uh, at the bottom of the barrel in terms of the standings, and, you know, mm-hmm. I figured, you know, it, it'll turn around eventually, so when it does it'll be that much better. And so far those two teams uh, still have to find that success, but um, yeah, they're my teams. There you go. Uh, shout out to Jordan Cicelli uh, from the Bulgars mm-hmm. podcast. She's the number one uh, Browns fan that we know. Oh yeah. I see her. <laughs> um, I see her Browns tweets all the time on the timeline. Uh, shout out Jordan. Yeah. If Jordan, if you're listening to this, uh, yeah, there you go. You, you've uh, lured another one in. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, uh, but yeah, so, um, I'll definitely be paying attention. What about you? Uh, I think if you've been paying attention to my Twitter uh, during uh, the months of September to December on on Sundays, you could probably tell the team that I'm cheering for, and that's the Buffalo Bills. Um, for those of you who don't know, it's really kind of a funny story. Well, not really a funny story, but like I re- initially became a Vikings fan because, like you, I wanted to pick a team that was struggling and like if they wanted to be all the more sweeter, but. It was hard to watch Vikings games. It's and it still is really hard because they're not always on TV. So, well, how do you? What team do you watch? So I decided uh, to pick another team, and the closest team was the Bills. I think play in the sense that like the Leafs, they they're a team that struggles. They've not won anything in a long time, and it'd be that much sweeter if they did win. And I think I picked a pretty good time to hop on the bandwagon. I think the first year was. Uh, the 2015 the end of the 2015 season and, and they've already made the playoffs twice well both times have been pretty uh hard to watch but yeah hopefully this year uh the start of something special for sure for sure so we'll definitely see how uh the season plays out especially uh given what we're going through uh in the world today but we'll see how it plays out and it'll be interesting so okay uh, let me ask you something before we move on okay if the browns and the bills mean the playoffs are we going to be able to keep our biases in check <laughs> I mean, again, given it, it depends how deep into the fandom I get in football, but uh, I tend to think of myself as uh, mainly neutral for uh, for uh, when it comes to sports. So I think uh, I mean I think I can keep it in check. What about you? I'll try my best. I, <laughs> I don't know if I can. Uh, I'm I'm when it comes to sports. I when I pick a team and I'm really into it, I get a little too passionate. Let's just put it that way. Nice, nice. Uh, but yeah, we'll just see how that plays out. Um, and now we'll uh, we'll quickly uh, let's take a quick break because we've been talking for a while, and then we'll be right back with uh, our 
2014 NBA redraft, and then we will close out the episode. All right. All right, we're back. And uh, yeah, we're going to get right into it because uh, we want to keep this super concise. We had a great episode so far, great interview, and we don't want to drag it out too long. So uh, in case you guys haven't been uh, paying attention to our last few uh, episodes, you've been following along for these series. We've uh, been doing redrafts of drafts. Um, and right now we're doing we're redrafting the NBA redrafts, uh, NBA drafts from 2010 up to 2017. Last week, we did the 2013 NBA draft, so go check that out if you want. Um, this week, we're doing the 2014 NBA redraft. And how we do it, um, of course, we alternate, me and Michael, we alternate uh, picks. Um, I choose one, and then he chooses one, and then we go on from there. So yep. I believe last week, I had the first overall pick, so you have the first overall pick this year, this week. Yes. Uh, I was just looking at the last draft that we did, uh, the picks that we made. It's a pretty interesting draft, and I think this year's also going to be very interesting. So I let's not waste any more time. Uh, with my first pick, I think this one's a pretty easy one. I trust the process, and I will take Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. Joel Embiid, what's there to say? He's definitely quickly jumped up to being a top 10 player in this league and definitely arguably the biggest, uh, I mean, the best big man in the league. Um especially center-wise. And, uh, I mean, a little uh, allusion to my next pick, but uh, we'll talk about him later. But, yeah, I think this draft has been really good for bigs and for centers. And uh, definitely Joel Embiid is one player that, you know, it's really hard not to like him. He's a great player. Um, And you could tell he's really dedicated to the game. Yeah, and if there's one thing that uh, what I like about Joel Embiid is that it's off the court, he's definitely has a great personality. I think in a market like Philadelphia, it's it's really good to have. Like he's been the face of the rebuild, and for for them, like when they were trying to get out of the uh, the consistent tank, and he's always been a player that I've always enjoyed watching from afar. And I I think if, if selfishly, I'd love to see him on the Raptors. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, that would be insane. But uh, yeah, he's Philadelphia has a great one in him, and I think uh, of course he, him, and Ben Simmons. But I do tend to think it is Joel Embiid's team, really. But uh, we'll see how Philadelphia plays out. They had kind of a disappointing uh, year this season in terms of playoff uh, performance. But again, Ben Simmons was out. Joel Embiid still played his heart out. We'll see how it pans out. All right, number two. Number two. So I'm gonna take the other big man who is uh, who uh, you know was is the star in this draft and that is uh from the denver nuggets uh the joker nikola Jokic. very good i mm-hmm. i think that's he's probably going to be one of if not the biggest jump of this draft am mm-hmm. i wrong oh yeah he originally went 41st in this draft and like joel Embiid, uh they both of them happen i'd say are the uh two uh two best centers in the league definitely and uh what can he do? He he's he plays he plays so good and, and you know what what's crazy is you know a lot of people obviously comment about um his uh you know his fitness level and things like that and he's just been able to move so quickly move like he plays like a point guard he passes so well and mm-hmm. uh, of course he's still improving but um I think that 
Denver has a future like MVP candidate in him. If if he's not already playing like an MVP candidate, I mean, I know last season he did. So we'll just have to see how he pans out. Absolutely. And I think it's just crazy to me that uh, you can still find value in the second round of the NBA draft. Like how many quality players, like like not even quality players, players that have gone on to be one of, if not the faces of a franchise. It's, it's, it's really hard to find players like that. So credit to the Nuggets uh, coaching staff and their drafting team. They've uh, done a really good job of unearthing uh, quality talents like him. And there's a reason why the Nuggets are uh, definitely one of the bright spots in the Western Conference. For sure, for sure. And we're watching them right now in that Clippers series. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. I think he's definitely... If there's one thing I I love about this playoffs is that anyone can break out and become a star at any point. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, So you have the third Uh, pick. All right. Uh, This one was a pretty interesting one. Uh, I think this player has definitely gone from... uh, a slam dunk champion to an actual amazing player in his own right. And I think I pretty much gave it away. Zach Levine. That's exactly where I had Zach Levine as well. Um, honestly, I would say underrated in a lot of senses. Um, he's definitely taken, uh, undertaken a big part of, you know, kind of leading the Chicago Bulls franchise right now. Um, it would be nice to see him get some help there. And hopefully that fourth overall pick pans out for them. Um, and they can, you know, build something around him over there in Chicago, but exactly, he's been playing amazingly the last few seasons. You know what's crazy to me? Like, I, whenever I think of Zach Levine and another player that will be taking this draft, I always remember very vividly the 2016 Slam Dunk Contest. Oh, yeah. You remember that one? Yep, yep. Oh, that yeah. was arguably the, I mean, if not for this season's uh, All-Star Game. that And 2016, that was in, in Toronto. And, uh, yeah, probably the greatest dunk contest of, of all time, or at least up there. Yep, definitely. Uh, Zach Levine is a great dunker. And I, the other player, Aaron Gordon, I just had to mention him, uh, another great dunker in his own right. Sorry, just, I have to bring it up because <laughs> I don't know when I'm going to be bringing this, this dunk contest up again. It's my favorite dunk contest ever. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Vince Carter, but... Hey, Vince Carter did his thing, but here in Toronto... It was it was insane. Maybe because we were living that hype in the city as well, and that 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 whole All Star game at the festivities, and especially the dunk contest, was just insane. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, man. Uh, let's not waste any more time. Let's get right to number four. All right, with number four, I'm gonna go uh, with uh, Clint Capella, who's now with uh, the Atlanta Hawks, but uh, is known for one. his time with the Houston Rockets. And uh, I'm going to go based off, you know, his time with Houston was amazing. And I was kind of questioning why he was traded to the Atlanta Hawks. And on the Hawks side, I think they picked up a great player. Just a great mm-hmm. deal right there. Um, he's uh, he's super effective. Um, and especially on both sides of the floor. Um, but, yeah, he had his best season last season in terms of points per game. Um, with about 16 points. But, um, yeah, I think he's just an effective uh, player on both ends. And, and, you know, I think Atlanta is really happy that they were able to pick him up, especially to build around, um, of course, Trey Young. I think that's a, just, just a piece you hold on to if, you, if you're given that opportunity to pick him up. Definitely an underrated center. I think a lot of, I've always had an interest, intrigue in Clint Capella. He's always been one of those players that you always look from far as like, yeah, this is a guy that looks pretty good. I think he's definitely one of those players that doesn't really get enough credit for the, the quality of play he provides. And on a team in Atlanta team that's been pretty lowly and uh, today, 
Trey Young uh, has definitely stole a lot of the spotlight uh, from that on that end. But I think uh, when this Hawks team does start competing again, which I think is going to be very, very soon, he'll be play a big part in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Like I said, that's the kind of player, you know, doesn't always hit the market. And I think they were able to steal him away. Um, almost a vet guy that can help teach the young guys while still being very, very effective in his prime. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So number five, this is, uh, well, this is going to be a very interesting one because there's, a, there's two quality players I could easily mm-hmm. take right side now. note, side note. This is a very good draft. And honestly, when I was doing my rankings for this, it was, a, I had to do it a few times just to, just to get my order down. Right, because there's a lot of good players, especially here in the middle, middle of the pack. Mm-hmm. Uh, oof. Is this going to be a tough one for me because I really love uh, one of the players are going to be dropped. I'm going to be skipping on here, but uh, I think it's just too hard to ignore uh, how good of this player this guy has been. And uh, I'm going to be, maybe this is a bit of a jump for you, but uh, Julius Randle. Julius Randle, nice, nice. No, that's a solid pick. It is. Uh, it is kind of a bigger jump for me, uh, especially on, at least on my board, but I could see why. I mean, he's been a very effective player. Yeah, a, a great – I think he was an all-around solid player for the Lakers, and I think uh, it was kind of a – I'm going to say it was maybe a bit of a mistake to let him go because I still think he had a lot more to offer than uh, what he was providing at the time, and I think he's still uh, really getting his feet wet and – now, now, where is he? He was on the Pelicans for a bit. He did really well. Now he's a, he's a in, big he's, player yeah, he's the on Knicks. the Knicks. Yeah, yeah. The Knicks. Again, oh, yeah. the star of the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Right now. I mean, yeah, I mean, the Knicks, uh, we, we kind of clown them a lot on this podcast, but uh, they're slowly, honestly, they're slowly picking up the pieces for a rebuild. Um, they they still have yet to go fully into that rebuild mode. Um, kind of, I kind of feel bad for them because they can't even win a lottery for... <laughs> to get that boost but uh slowly but surely they are picking up good pieces and julius randall is one of those good pieces i definitely think he could be at at best the second best player on on, on the Knicks, and i think that's a good position to be in you need to have your big man to be one of your best players and yes he's a not as big of a big man as you'd expect but hey draymond draymond green has been one of the best centers in the league for a long time and he's what six eight mm-hmm for sure. Um, Draymond Green is, honestly, I would say definitely one of the be- best big men in the league, especially on the defensive end. But, um, yeah, back to that. Um, solid pick. Solid pick there. Um, and I'm here, I believe, at number six. Yep. Go ahead. So I'm going to take, uh, not just because the recency bias, but we know he's been playing well right now. We've been having all our eyes on him. But I'm going to take Marcus Smart. Mm-hmm. He originally was taking number six. And he'll still go number six in our draft to the Boston Celtics, of course. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he he gets a lot of hate because of, of course, you know, embellishing calls uh, to try and get the call, embellishing plays. Um, and, of course, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of players do do that. And he, you know, he gets a lot of flack for that. But he is an amazing player and two-time NBA all-defensive first team. I mean... We, if anything, we've learned that defense was championships, and he is that type of player. And if anything, now, especially in this, in this series right now against the Raptors, I think all with all eyes on him, um, his offensive game has stepped up so much. Um, uh-huh. And I think uh, the fact that he's still remember this draft, these players in this draft are still so young. Um, he's gonna be, 
you know, he could get better. He's entering, he's in his prime or entering his prime. And I think the Boston Celtics definitely have a piece there that they definitely don't want to move because he's the type of player that you want to keep on a championship winning roster. He's the type of guy that you, you know, other teams hate to have similar to Kyle Lowry. Other teams hate to have him or uh, hate to play him. They hate him, but every team would love to have them, have him on oh, their yeah. own team. Oh yeah. There's so many players like that in any sports you can use that same argument for. And mm-hmm. honestly, like you said, like as much you need, as he annoys you need me, those players on a championship team. Just guys that are pest. On you need a pest on your team that is also a really talented player in his own right. And I think Marcus Smart is most definitely that kind of player. Yeah. And I think if the Celtics are gonna win a championship again in the near future, he's gonna be a big part of it. Oh, for sure. So uh you're up with the seventh overall pick. Honestly, man, this is just getting really interesting. How so many quality players are are still mm-hmm. available. This is a good and draft. I don't know. This is a really good draft. Guys, you have to you have to understand this this draft has definitely lived up to sec- I think if we're talking deep drafts, this is definitely up there. Um, so for my seventh pick, hmm, this is a tough one. Uh let's go with the other slam dunk contest uh competitor from the 2016 draft uh dunk contest aaron gordon aaron gordon nice i had him at seventh as well um again what's not to like about him he's been very effective in in orlando um we kind of talked about you know vucevic kind of leading that orlando team but don't forget about aaron gordon he's been right up there especially um a really good big man who's been uh really effective um Again, a great dunker. I mean, I think dunking is what what you think of when you when you think about Aaron Gordon. But um, definitely a solid player, a great pick, and uh, again for Orlando, who's kind of uh, rebuilding right now, picking up those pieces. I think he's definitely turned into a leader and a player. You know, you want to keep as you know, either your he is more of a second option, but right now he could play um, kind of one B to uh, to Vucevic. Oh yeah. Aaron Gordon has been definitely a player that's really progressed very well uh, behind the scenes and people really don't pay full attention to the magic. And that's partly to do with the fact that they're not a team that really uh, has really competed for championships the last couple of years. But when this team does finally get over the hump and gets uh, all the necessary pieces for a championship, he's going to be a big part of their success. Like he's a player that always just scares me whenever I play the, whenever the Raptors play the match. Oh yeah. And I want to say, uh, I feel so bad for him because he's kind of been robbed of two slam dunk competitions. Um, when honestly, I do think he should have won it. But uh, yeah, again, both go slam dunk competitions with him. I mean, I'll pro- most of the credit to him because he kept it so entertaining. But yeah, honestly, I really think there. he should have won in 2016. But in 28, 2020, he definitely should have won that one. Oh, yeah. He was the far better dunker than Levine. I'm sorry. For sure. Honestly, for sure. Um, but yeah, Aaron Gordon is a great player. Keep it up. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, so now I'm up with the eighth overall pick and I'm going to take a guy who's uh, a little bit of recency bias, but he really played his heart out, um, in the bubble. Um, and that is, uh, from the Portland trailblazers, uh, Yusuf, uh, Nurkic. Excellent pick, man. Mm -hmm. Very good pick. Again, uh, he definitely, I mean, he's been great. I don't know. A lot of people don't pay attention to Portland, um, he's definitely been great for them uh, ever since he was drafted, ever since he really, um, I mean, he was good with uh, the Nuggets, but ever since he joined Portland, you know, he's been really playing at an effective rate. And that's the type of player, especially 
what we've seen, the steps he's taken this uh, season and this these playoffs especially, that's the type of player you kind of uh, you definitely wanted on a championship team, and and he's he plays great, especially with uh, Damian Lillard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and there's so many. Just it's just Portland has a bunch of underrated play players. I think Portland is one of the most underrated teams in the NBA right now, and that has a lot to do with the fact just how competitive the Western Conference has been for the longest time, and is still going to be. Like, just look at how many quality teams are. Expected oh, yeah. to be coming out of the West in the coming years. Mm-hmm. Like Portland is still going to be right there, and uh, Nurkic is going to be a big part of why Portland's going to continue to compete. Obviously, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum are the big parts of why that that team has been successful for a number of years. But Nurkic just is the definitely a great third option on that oh, team. Yeah. All right, let's close it out. Who do you have? Uh, who do you have there? Okay, who at uh, number uh, nine? Number nine nine nine. Uh, this is tough because I I hate to uh, let uh, the player that I'm not going to be taking right now go, but uh, you got to. There's been this guy has definitely got to. You got to give him some 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 props. This guy, uh, Spencer Dinwiddle, Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie. Yep. Hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. Spencer Dinwiddie is a great player, and uh, he's definitely a player who I think will. Uh, just keep progressing at a good rate. Another underrated player. You know what? I'm going to call this the underrated draft because so many of these players, I mean, with the exception of Joel Embiid, are super, and Nurk Jokic are super underrated in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. And this guy, Dinwiddie, he's on the Nets. And the Nets are another team that, uh, well, I mean, right now they, they got set by the Raptors, but next year they're going to be a big factor in the Eastern Conference. And I think he's also going to play a big part in the, uh, why the team's going to do very well. And uh, obviously now he's not going to get as big of an offensive role because uh, Kyrie Irving's going to be back. And so is KD. So he's more than likely going to be the third option, but he's still going to be a big part of their success. I've still definitely got to keep an eye on. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. We'll definitely keep an eye on him. He's, uh, he's been playing great. Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, especially on that Brooklyn Nets team, uh, we'll see what he can bring. Uh, I mean, they'll, they'll play, they'll be playing well next season. We know that. So we'll okay. definitely see how that turns out. So I'm going to round out the uh, the draft here. I'm going to take the guy who originally went first overall in this draft. Um, he's the pride and joy of Canada, and he still is, honestly. And I'm going to be taking uh, from the Golden State Warriors now, Andrew Wiggins. And honestly, just to keep it short and simple here, um, Wiggins is just, he's still an amazing player. I mean, the hype was kind of early on in his career, and it's well warranted. He won rookie of the year. He was uh, scoring at a crazy pace uh, in his first few seasons. Um, but, you know, he kind of slowed down here. And I think finding um, finding his place is really what he needs to do. And I really hope that he found his place here in uh, Golden State now. I actually think that trade was really good for him. I think he needed a new environment. And, uh, yeah, simply put, I don't think his career is over at all. Like, I think... Honestly, it might just be getting started his second phase, and I think he could, um, you know, bring it here in Golden State. And I'm really excited to see what he can do with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and uh, Draymond Green, especially in a full season with uh, especially uh, Clay Thompson and Steph Curry healthy. And uh, yeah, I hope he does better there. And um, honestly, he's just a great player. Like I, I had him, I had him honestly ranked higher, and I'm kind of glad with um, who I was able to take beforehand. Um, 
Um, but just knowing the caliber player he has, and he still has the highest, I would say the highest potential out of players in this, uh, out of most players in this draft. Um, I'm happy that I was able to, you know, kind of steal him away at 10 here because I think he could go definitely go um, as high as fifth. So keep it short, uh, short and sweet. Um, Andrew Wiggins is, uh, I still think he has a lot in him um, in his career. Absolutely, man. Totally agree. You know what's crazy to me? It's the players that we didn't take in the first the first, with the first oh, yeah. 10 picks let's just give some honorable mentions i don't think we've done that in a while so we I have know, to we, mention we, a few names we used to do honorable mentions but i don't know we kind of uh kind of forgot about that but uh what are some names that uh pop off uh um on your head um well jordan clarkson uh from who's now on uh the cavaliers uh gary harris gary harris mm-hmm. says another player Bogdanovich. Mm-hmm. Bogdan- uh, Bogdanovich, Bogdanovich and of yep. course and and of course Bruno Bruno there's a name yeah <laughs> it's I believe he's still two years Bruno away Kabaklo, from being two yeah. years away right actually he's right now uh I believe he's uh he's in it he's made it with the uh, uh, finally with the rocket so he's uh finally two what he's finally zero years from being zero years away so there's that <laughs> So, um, yeah, I think uh, we'll start to close out. There's one more thing I want to talk about before we close out the podcast super quickly. Um, oh, but even before that, um, yeah, next week uh, we'll be doing the 2015 NBA draft. That'll be pretty fun, so stay tuned. Yes. But I want to talk that. about one series that concluded kind of earlier than everyone thought, and that is uh, the Bucks, the Milwaukee Bucks versus the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat beat them in uh, five games. Unfortunately, Giannis and Tedekumpo went down um, in Game 4. Um, they were able to get the Game 4 win without him, but he couldn't play in Game 5, and they ended up losing. But uh, I want to know, what, what are your thoughts? Do you think um, do you think Giannis's spot, you know, do you think Milwaukee's, uh, uh, you know, do you think their security with Giannis is at, is at stake here? I most definitely think so, and... Uh... Let's put it this way: In the regular season, they did extremely well, and they were one of the one of one of if not the top teams in the NBA. But in the playoffs, where it really matters for them, they regressed. They should have been in the Eastern Conference Finals, and not to disrespect the Miami Heat, but we'd like to think that on paper the Bucks are the better team compared to the Heat. So I would like to think that Giannis is not too happy right now with his situation in Milwaukee. You know what this reminds me of? LeBron James, the first time he left Cleveland. What's the one thing that we I'm thinking of, or one thing that, that they both have in common? LeBron and Giannis are in a situation where their team is regressing. There's no real signs that they're going to make the necessary moves to get them over the top. And Giannis is near is closing in on the end of his contract after he's won a bunch of MVP awards. So I think it's pretty clear to me that unless Milwaukee does something drastic in the offseason, try and help boast of the team, and alter the coaching staff, you can bet that Giannis is going to be walking in free HC next summer. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I definitely think it's in danger and we'll, we'll definitely see, you know, I think the fact that it's a second round exit and it's, you know, they did have a worse playoff result than they did last season. I think that's going to sting in his mind a little more and we'll just have to see. Um, I think if he doesn't sign it, an extension in this, uh, 
this summer. I think it, it or, I mean, what am I saying? The summer, summer's passed, but this off season, um, I definitely think it points, you know, all signs point towards him testing the market, you know, and seeing what he can do with, uh, over there. I mean, let's be real. You know, as much as the super max is tempting, um, he's already going to be making a lot of money. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Um, I think at this point, it just really comes down to what what are Giannis's priorities. And to me, I think his priorities are he wants a championship. Are we going to see? Is, I'll go on. Yeah, like is is Milwaukee going to give that at this point? I don't know. Are we going to see another the decision type thing with him? We better. I, I think that'd be hilarious. And then we could just get the whole Giannis uh, LeBron comparisons up to the extreme. Mm hmm. I mean, okay, if they did one, if they did one, it has to the title has to be in Greek. Oh yeah. I mean, what like, is that in Greek? Okay, so we the LeBron's TV special was called The Decision. So if I translate it into Greek, it's E Abosfasi. Sorry, if anyone anyone here is a Greek listener, I'm so sorry I botched the language. I'm so sorry. Oh yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> what what is the pronunciation? <laughs> And uh, <laughs> yeah, um, we'll just see how we'll see how that pans out. It's definitely interesting, and uh, unfortunately, they fell short of their expectations there. And we'll see how um, Giannis. We'll see what the off season holds, and we'll see how the Milwaukee Bucks season next season uh, plays out. Mm-hmm. Maybe next week I'll be able to say a Greek a sentence in Greek. <laughs> um, yeah, but with that, we will uh, close out this episode. But uh, yeah, you can follow me, tweet me feedback. Um, you know, message us, whatever you can, uh, find me on Twitter at Matt underscore Rodrigo underscore. You can find me on Twitter at the Leafs IMO. And of course, don't forget that we also have our podcast has a Twitter account It is at behind the net pod. That's right. At behind the net pod, please listen to it. Please check it out. We're trying to have some fun with it. Uh, hopefully you guys are along for the ride too. Yep. And, uh, with that, we'll catch you guys next week. Have a great week. Peace, guys.